Two geeks, two beers, and a laptop. Episode 23, A Geek's Guide to James Bond. Jeremy, please, don't, don't smile like that. You're not James Bond, you're disgusting. I am James Bond. Cheers. Cheers. Well, hello. Uh, welcome back to the new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers and a Laptop. It's episode 23, The wow. Geek's Guide to James Bond, with your suave, sophisticated hosts. It's me, Morgan and Tom. Hello. Um, so we are, we are breaking away from the traditional beers yeah. of this episode. We're drinking what well, I think is pretty accurately described as a makeshift attempt. The worst attempt. <laughs> the worst attempt ever ever committed um, to alcohol of, uh, <laughs> of, of the, the medium dry uh, vodka martini, James Bond's uh, drink of choice. It's really more just sort of some vodka and some vermouth <sighs> With poured really into a half pint glass. Aesthetically cut um, and sort of uh, dying it's, lemon. It's supposed, it's supposed to be a twist of lemon peel. It's more just sort of a, a crudely cut half lemon. Uh, Tom... Tom managed to slice his <laughs> thumb open um, <laughs> preparing these drinks, thus proving how Literally, thoroughly yeah. un 007 we are. I'm sure if he looked at this James Bond, he'd go, no. <laughs> oh, this is uh, this quite, is quite, quite a poor excuse for a vodka martini. <laughs> okay, well, we'll have a sip. I'm guaranteed to hate this, mm. but I'll pretend I you, like it just because I'm... You, you, do you like vodka? No. This is pretty much pure vodka, exactly. so cheers. Yeah, cheers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, the so, vermouth has made it a little bit sweeter, definitely. Yeah. Do you know what? I've had professionally prepared vodka yeah. martinis. It's not a million, not a million miles away. I'm sure. It's a lot shitter. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Lighted. It's not going to lie. But if, if I got served that, I wouldn't think, give me my money back. You would. You don't know how much vodka martinis cost. <laughs> a martini, shaken, not stirred. Should I have said vodka martini sent up? Shaken, not stirred. Vodka martini. Shaken, not stirred. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lille, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Right. Good now, the reason, the reason we are drinking vodka martinis, as you may have guessed, this is an episode all about uh, James Bond, which is one of my other, probably one of my two biggest geeky obsessions, alongside Doctor Who, yeah. it's the James Bond movies in particular. Now, you might be thinking, James Bond movies, is it that geeky? Is it that geeky? A bit like Die Hard, when we yeah, did our Die yeah. Hard episode. Not in and of itself that geeky, but I've dug up some trivia nuggets uh, to give 007 a geeky slant. The way I like to look at it is, think of it like the gadget-laden Aston Martin oh, DB5, already attractive on the outside, but if you dig a little deeper, full of nerdy goodness, hidden nerdy depths. <laughs> so, that should be our tagline from now on. Hidden nerdy depths. Yeah. Attractive on the surface, exactly. no question, <laughs> but with hidden nerdy depths. Now, so in this episode, I will be sort of taking the reins, um, we'll be discussing a few things that uh, presumably Tom, and hopefully hmm. you guys listening as well, won't know about James Bond. And this is deep trivia is what I'm going for. Not, did you know that Bob Holness played James Bond <laughs> in a radio <laughs> adaptation <laughs> of Moonraker? Everyone knows that. Oh, did you know they adapted Casino Royale on yes. American television and he was called yes. Jimmy Bond? Yes, everyone knows. It's a secret only everybody knows. So this is going to be slightly deeper trivia, including uh, a look at some of the lost Bond films, the unmade Bond films. 
never made it to the cinema. But we do have emergency Heineken because it's the one beer James <laughs> Bond likes. It's so. the one beer James Bond drinks in Skyfall, I believe, huh? uh, because he was sponsored. Um, right. So we've got some backup Heinekens, but I'm going to stick with my. Yeah, yeah. If you can call it a Martini for now. Did he drink anything else at any He drinks uh, soda. He likes to drink a lot. <laughs> Scotch and soda right. um, in, in the books. So if you want to dig up some. Do you like whiskey? Nah, let's just stick with let's let's be yeah, I'm gonna end up drinking that. But didn't we discover that he gets it wrong? It should be stirred, not shaken. Well all the recipes we looked up said stirred, not shaken, because yeah. shaking actually waters down the vodka martini uh, and makes it a less palatable drink. Like that said we it. that said we stirred and I'm not sure this could be any less palatable. <laughs> if I'm honest. Okay. Alright. So we're gonna start off this episode with some rapid fire trivia. And what I, what I would like to make this a little bit more interactive, what I would like from you is uh, a reaction yeah. out of three. Right. So when I tell you this bit of trivia... Quite, quite interesting. Let's what, exactly. It's like a, like a Bond-themed QI. Okay. Are you shaken? It's Q. It's QI. It's Quartermaster yeah. I. <laughs> now I want to know, when I give you this bit of trivia, are you shaken? Oh, like, oh my god. Yeah, okay. Are you stirred? Yeah. Like... Or are you just double O really? <laughs> so, so let's 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 kick this off. All right. So first of all, this is a good little fact I found out. The cinematic James Bond has slept with. Well, how many women do you think he slept with over the course? Now, don't don't do that thing where you guess way too high and make my fact seem lame in comparison. So, all the characters he's definitely slept. This with is this is from an article I found online where either you see him have sex with a woman, or it's at least heavily implied. Like you know, he wakes up in bed with her. They end up. You know, necking right. as Partridge was saying. And we're including all the questionable rapes over the years. <laughs> we were, we, yeah. Yeah. The, the bit where she's like, no. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> the classic Thunderball scene yeah. where, yeah. It was, the, it was a different time. It was the 60s. Sean Connery did a lot of questionable things in the 1960s. <laughs> what was the interview that he did and then they going back to him in the 80s? Yeah, there, there was an interview in the 60s where Sean Connery said it was okay to hit a woman so long as you did it with an open palm. Right. Uh, which, not a good thing to say, obviously. It was the 1960s, it was a different time. However, in the, gave the chance. in the much more enlightened 80s, <laughs> uh, Barbara Walters yeah. uh, interviewed Connery and asked him, had he changed his horrific opinion? To which he replied, no, no, no not at all, not at all. Connery, you had your chance. You did an interview in which you said, it's not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No, not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. You I don't think, think it's bad? It I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. What would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, that they can't leave it alone. Yeah? They don't they want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the laugh, last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again and, and get into a really provocative situation. Then I think it's absolutely right. How many women has James Bond slept with? Okay, so on average, I'd say he probably sleeps with three. Yeah, that's a pretty good Okay, pretty good so guess. how many films have there been? Ew, good. 21, 2, 24. 24. I should know that. It's 24 times 3. I should know that. <laughs> using, a, using a laptop yeah. as a calculator. Which it still is not giving me. 
It's embarrassing. It's, it's still embarrassing. 72, so I'm going to say 72 women. It's not 72 women, mainly because Daniel Craig tries to be a little bit more respectful. And only shags at least two women. <laughs> only two. And so James Bond, uh, on, on this big screen, has slept with 57 women, wow. which is over one a week for an entire year. Um, my friend used to have a, a theory that actually James Bond's flat does appear in three movies, uh, Doctor No, Live and Let Die, and Spectre. But my friend always assumed that James Bond didn't have a house. Yeah, <laughs> he was just always shouting on a boat. Only one Sean Connery film, apparently, doesn't end with him at sea, yeah. stranded <laughs> at sea with a woman, which I never thought about. It's true, only Goldfinger. And even then he's like... you trying to get into combat. Yeah. 007? Oh, James. And even then, he's stranded like on an island yeah. <laughs> near sea. Why is Connery always stranded at sea? What's always that thing of, until the... Well, I suppose they did it at the beginning. Mm. And they did it with Craig. Mm. But the majority of the time, he ends up with a lovely lady. Yeah. And they're by the next one. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, in the book, sometimes they deal with that and they address it. He's like, "Yeah, we had a tough breakup." <laughs> I sort of imagine like film Bond is what, a different beast. He just, he just sort of like, you know, they're like, "James, James, where are you?" He's outside, jetpack on, yeah. flying back to my yeah. five. Oh, sheer. <laughs> like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't care. So, so I'd say, James, I, I Bond, was, James Bond has slept with 57 women. Are yeah. you shaken, stirred, or just double O really? I think double O really, because I would have assumed. Yeah, You'd assume what? Well, his, his best efforts were at Thunderball and The Spy Who Loved Me, in which Bond is either seen or implied to have done the deed with five ladies. Five? five. I think the minimum is, is one, right. I'm pretty sure. In, in Casino Royale, for example. Because right. he's in love. Yeah. He, only, uh, he only has relations with Vesperlin. What's the worst? What's the worst one for me, which is Roger Moore? He's like 98 at this point, getting it on with that girl with a skier who's All right. like 12. Alright, I'm skipping on to another fact because this that segues okay. nicely into this. In his final Bond film, 1985's A View to a Kill, Roger Moore was 58, 58. years old. Uh, Timothy Dalton, who then replaced him two years later, was 30 when he first <laughs> played the part. 20, 28 years younger. He was like, Roger Moore was double Timothy Dalton's age. But back then, they still implied it was the same Bond, didn't they? Yeah. Like, which is ludicrous when you think about it. He just he just had a really good holiday. Yeah. Like, he just had a really good nap. Just like, just stop drinking the vodka, vodka martinis. Because that's an ongoing issue in Hollywood, isn't it? Like, how uh, men can be Hollywood leading stars until well into their 70s, mm. like Harrison Ford or whatever. Whereas. Also, I don't think you're allowed to be as old as you used to be in Hollywood. It's like Aunt May in Spider Man movies who graduated. Yeah. I saw Lee now. I saw someone put it the Benjamin Buttification of Aunt May, where she started out as <laughs> yeah. Rosemary Harris, this old lady, and now it's like. They literally make a point of her being like his hot aunt. Yeah. In, uh, Fair uh, okay, here's another one. Of all, all of the female actresses in Doctor No, um, except for four of them, including Moneypenny, all of the other actresses were dubbed by one actress, what? The, the German actress Nikki Vanderzil. And she continued to double over Bond girls until Moonraker in 1979. So what, all Bond girls? So not all of them. All of them in Moonraker, except for a couple of characters, including Moneypenny, all had the same voice. Is and if you all? listen, they all have this kind of cooey, 60s lady voice because... <laughs> that's an uncanny impression. Because it's all the same actress. Because they basically wanted all women to sound the same. Yeah. You called for me, Mr. Drax? You were with Bond last night in my study. No, I... You showed him the safe. I didn't. I'm terminating your employment. You will leave immediately. So, shaken stir at double O, really? Shaken? That's shaken but, you to the core. Well, that wouldn't happen now, would it? Imagine that. Imagine the uproar that would cause. <laughs> you, there's a lot of things about the other It's like the China movies. opening ceremony all over again. <laughs> Singer. It's very much, very much like that. Yeah. Um, all right, here's, here's a uh, quite a depressing fact, I think. Sean Connery wore a toupee in every single one of his Bond movies. 
like Ted dancing in Cheers. Yeah, but they at least addressed that on screen. Yeah. yeah. That's really. Yeah. So in all of his, it, like from Doctor No onwards, he's always wearing a wig, always, and he's like held up as like the pinnacle yeah. of raw masculinity. He's always wearing a what wig. What about Roger? No, all his own. Wow. Well, so he claims. I think Sean just more interesting. Yeah, fucking, I wore a, a wig. I don't really? care. I was like, oh no, it's all my own. I suppose Connery. When did he start going? <laughs> and, and Dalton's like, don't fucking touch it. <laughs> can I just, can I just check your hair's real? Touch it and you die. If you want to lose <laughs> really your, angry. if you want to lose your hand, then perhaps you have to address my follicles. What would Bronholm say? Bronholm, he'd be more like, uh, oh, of course, it's all my own. Although I have used just for men on occasion, <laughs> five easy minutes. Daniel Craig just go, no. No. <laughs> Is that a wig, Daniel? No. <laughs> Miserable Daniel Craig. Miserable Daniel Craig. So, some of the more ludicrous names uh, considered for Bond over the years. Uh, Adam West. Really? Yeah. Batman? Batman. 60s Batman. What? Precisely. Was he already Batman? Batman. Yeah, he was, like, this was post-Batman. And he turned it down. He was like, Batman should not be James Bond. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, um, Burt Reynolds. No. I love Burt, but no. Again, again, on a similar vein. Mel Gibson. No. Apparently they, they are... He's great and cool. Say what you like about Mel Gibson now. Yeah. He used to be right up there at some of the coolest guys ever. Yeah. He's a weapon. Amazing, but yeah. not Bond. And finally, not in and of itself a bad choice at a certain time in his life, but Liam Neeson who turned the part down because, quote, he wasn't interested in action movies. Oh, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to play Bond. I'm, so I'm a serious actor. I'm starting to shoot this list. And kill me up next. <laughs> Taking four. Liam Neeson. <laughs> oh, uh, oh and, and one other actor. Again, not, uh, not that ludicrous in and of itself, but you'll understand why I brought this up uh, when I said the actor's name. Uh, one actor, seriously considered, he screen-tested at a time when they thought Roger Chris Moore... <laughs> not Chris Barry. Uh, at a time when they thought Roger Moore was going to leave, um, screen-tested for Octopussy, it was the actor uh, James Brolin. Or as, <laughs> or as Tom thought it was pronounced. Yes, James Brolin. Brolin, 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 Brolin. Um, Christopher Walken, as you... Awful. What are you talking about? Awful. Yeah, brilliant, but even an awful one. <laughs> no, no, sorry, I've moved on. Oh. I can see where you went. <laughs> the name's Bond. Imagine you're Bond. James Bond. Oh. License to kill. I want a vodka martini. Shaken. Not stirred. <laughs> what are you talking about? That would be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah fell. Um, no, Christopher Walken, he played the villain Max Zorin yeah, yeah. in A View to a Kill. But. The one good thing about that film. But, yeah, very much so. But originally, and like announced in the role and everything, although. I don't quite know how this works because it says he, this this person turned the part down, but was part of the original announcement. It was it was David Bowie, but I like the idea they just announced it. And went David Bowie's playing Max Zorin. He was like, oh, he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, David. We've we said you're doing it now. It's in variety and everything. You've got to do it. He's like, oh, I don't see it. I'm playing Max Zorin. What is it? In fact, the, the, the direct Bowie quote is. I didn't want to spend five months watching my stunt double four off course. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, they wasn't that the same year as that. It was, it, was, it was definitely during his 80s heyday. 85, when was that? Yeah, it was around about the same time. So maybe, if he had played Max Roy, maybe he wouldn't have played yeah. whatever that guy he plays in. Geek Fell. Gareth. 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 Not a million miles away. Uh, the role of, of Max Roy, before it went to Walker, was then offered to Sting. 
Wow. And, uh, they were determined to just get, uh, get a pop star. He was almost Jared in Labyrinth. Was he? Yeah. In Labyrinth, do you know who the... Well, I'll give you two of them. Yeah. Him, so Sting, 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 David Bowie. David Bowie. Was, Mark, it, was it Christopher Walken just to bring it right? Or, uh, Michael Jackson. They were the three that <sighs> almost played. Because they wanted a musician to write the songs and yeah. stuff. And they were the... Oh, they, re- they really yeah. sort of but, dodged a bullet on that one, didn't no, they? No, but I do... Well, yeah. <laughs> Considering he's like, yeah. But, um, but I still would love to have... As, as, Perfect as David Bowie is. Yeah. I would love to have seen what Labyrinth was like with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Or Sting. Sting. I would love to have seen what it was like. Sting's not a bad actor. Lockstock, um, Quadrophenia. Exactly, but you'd, you'd have Dune. <laughs> Dune? But you would have had. Um... There's no Dune episode coming, I'm going to put that down <laughs> <laughs> officially. My dad would be very disappointed. <laughs> no Dune episode. But, uh, the songs in Labyrinth are very Bowie and brilliant, so yeah. I would love to have seen like this t- the sort of music that would have come in Labyrinth <gasps> under Michael Jackson or Sting. Yeah, given a, given a more like police twist. Yes, at that point Sting was still very much like a uh, reggae tw- tinged, and yeah. he would have done a bit of, you know... I can't do a Labyrinth! And then Jackson would have just done this weird funk infused. Yeah. Prince should have done it, either. I don't think Labyrinth would ever be on telly anymore if it was a film where Michael Jackson steals a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he would have got away with it. It would definitely have celebrations <laughs> 30 years later. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, Roger Moore right. suffers from hop, hop, hoplophobia, which is a fear of firearms. Um, Bloody hell. Yeah. Shaken, stirred. Double O really? Shaken by that one. Because <laughs> that's like, surely as soon as you went to the interview, right? and are you good with guns? Now, hey, okay, sorry. <laughs> well, no, but you know, actors always lie like this, like, oh, yeah, I'm perfectly fine, and other things like, I'm absolutely shit. <laughs> that's like, uh, isn't it how I'm written in Die Hard, you couldn't hack shooting a gun? Yeah. So he always had to cut whenever he, because he always flinched. Every yeah, time same with Roger Moore. Yeah. Same with Roger Moore. And Roger Moore was well, also. He didn't want any shot at any point of him shooting a gun because he flinched. Apparently, it took him so long to learn not to blink. But this is even stranger. Roger Moore was also his hair was all his own, but he was also <laughs> paranoid about his run. He had like a thing about his about his weird little run he had. Mm. So he was bad as Steven Cigar. <laughs> Steven Cigar have a weird run. Yeah, he runs don't want to be sexist or anything, but like a little girl. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. It's brilliant. That was quite sexist. I feel like you. you I feel like <laughs> the, James, the James Bond vibe I've had is getting much, to yeah. you. You've already drunk too much vodka. Yeah. I apologise. So. Um, no, so, but Roger Moore, unlike Steven Scow, he had a double step in for him whenever he had to break into anything more than, like, a gentle jog. Mm. So if you ever see James Bond running in a Roger Moore movie, it's not Roger Moore. Well, when he's 58, I guess that was the case, but... Because <laughs> he literally could have run. Yeah. When he's not running or firing a gun, it's Roger Moore. The eyebrow work is all his own. With Roger Moore, like, with Daniel Craig, you look at it, even Brosnan or even Dalton, you look at it and go, they're fighting. Yeah. Even if it's not them. Yeah. Can, when Dalton's riding on the top of a, a, a lorry, that's actually him doing it. Yeah, you get a fight scene with Roger Moore, which is laughable, because it's... Are you telling me you don't think Roger Moore could best <laughs> Richard Keel in physical combat? Because <laughs> you can see it's actually him, but it's like really slow, kind of, ugh, yeah. ugh, fights. I met Richard Keel once. Yeah. He was really nice. Um, I also met Brett Eckard. Who was a bitch? <laughs> um, what was she like? She just really kind of. just a horrible, nasty. cold, cold, cold bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, moving on. It, see, I think you know this one because I bring it up a lot because it's one of right. my favourite little James Bond okay. trivia nuggets. So you might only be double O really on okay. this one. Uh, in Japan, the title for Doctor No <laughs> was mistranslated as Doctor No. <laughs> or literally, We Don't Want Doctors. Which. <laughs> I presume I presume we they don't want no <laughs> stupid doctors. I presume they corrected that before it made it to to the marketplaces. <laughs> and this this final one, if this doesn't leave you shaken to the core, 
I do not know what will. Okay. In a first draft of Doctor No, Doctor No was an evil monkey. What in the book as well? Or? No, he's a, no, he's just, he's like in the book he is as he is in the film. He's like an evil criminal mastermind who is notably not a monkey. Was not a big twist at the end, like a Carl Bogerton style joke. <laughs> this is just named after him. Like the film was named after him. There was another villain called Butch Butchwald who was like the villain behind it all, and uh, Doctor No was a monkey. Because they obviously went, this is a great book, let's not <laughs> not adapt it in any way, shape or form. And let's make Doctor No a little, little monkey fella. Oh, I'm stirred by that one. You're, you're only stirred? Yeah. Because people are weird back in the 60s, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah, they're probably high. I thought, I thought the monkey trivia would get you. <laughs> guys, I thought the monkey trivia would get you. <laughs> I think this is the booziest two weeks ever. I feel drunk. I, I feel I've quite hardly drunk. drunk any of this, I feel and I feel drunk. wasted. James Bond like downs these, right? <laughs> so this is this is the the meat and potatoes of uh, of this episode. Uh, so this is the lost Bond movies. Okay. We talk about some of the Bond movies that never got made. So have you? What do you know about Warhead two thousand? I think you've mentioned this before. Is this mm. the Thunderball? Not Thunderball. Is mm. it on? Yeah. Mm. So it's like. Another company have got the rights or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, so so in night. So the reason this all happened. So in 1958, which is like four years before Doctor No even came out, Ian Fleming was working with this writer called Kevin McClory mm. on uh, original Bond film. So he'd had a few of the books out, but he was like, "No, I want to make an original film." Uh, one of the titles for the film, proposed titles, Spectre. Uh-huh. Funnily enough, um, but that film never happened. It fell apart. Um, but Fleming then just basically went. I don't, know, I don't know that script go to waste. Pretty good script, the font. So he just basically turned that into the book Thunderball and novelised his own script. It's like still had the right. It's like Kevin McClory's like, hey, we Fleming. I know exactly what you're doing. What are you doing? Yeah. That's uh, it's quite a familiar book I'm reading here. Hey, bro. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Fleming. So he was like, well, that's obviously half mine. Right. So he then took Fleming to court after a messy legal battle. He basically won the film rights to Thunderball. So he was credited on the film they made of Thunderball, the official film. But that also allowed him to make then a second screen version of the book in 1983, which is Never Say Never Again. Right. Which is a rival Bond. That's the reason it's a rival Bond film. Yeah, because he, got away with it. he had the rights to Thunderball and nothing else. So he could make Thunderball as many times as he wanted, right. but uh, nothing else. Do so, you think it was a bit of a dick move by Connery to do that film? It really was. Because it came out the same him year. And, him and Moore are meant to be quite pally, yeah. So in the summer, imagine this happening now. So in the summer of 1983, you had Connery versus Moore at, yeah. the, at the summer box office. This would be like now if, like, if Pierce Brosnan came back yeah, yeah. and did a new film where he's pitted against Daniel Craig. Wouldn't it happen? Moore win, I'm guessing. In the end, people were, because people were like massively amped up for Connery to come back, but Octopussy actually Still beat won. Never Seen Ever Again yeah. at the box office. Sean Connery is James Bond. Agent 007. Never say never again. My name's Bond. Oh, you're Mr. Bond. I believe I'm having you in half an hour. Oh, splendid. Your room or mine. Good to see you, Mr. Bond. Things have been awfully dull around here. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. I certainly hope so, too. Sean Connery is Ian Fleming's James Bond in Never Say Never Again. But, lots of people know about Never Say Never Again, of course. But, what some people might not know <laughs> is that um, McClory, who obviously wasn't afraid of flogging a dead Connery, <laughs> a dead horse, dead Sean. a dead Sean, he, he planned to make a third film based on Thunderball yeah. in 1996, notably one year after Goldeneye had 
revived the James Bond franchise. Well, exactly. So it would have, it would have, if he had made it, it would have been up against Tomorrow Never Dies um, at the box office. So the quote from McClory uh, in 1996 from Variety magazine, uh, he says, I'm back in the Bond business because I have a couple of films I want to direct and Bond can provide the finance. So, <laughs> being honest, man. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to make another Bond film, but now that I've come this far, I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> so he says, um, the film will be called Warhead 2000 and an actor has been chosen to play Bond, but we won't announce it yet to keep the competition in the dark. No, it's not Sean Connery, he's too old now, uh, but he said he would play the villain in a James Bond film if the price was right, so you could have Connery as Blofeld. That would be interesting. Um, then, this kicks off what is an amazing uh, bitch fest between Sony, who were going to make Warhead 2000, and I think it was MGM who had the, the, cla- the, you know, the, the classic Bond rights. So Sony says, we are satisfied that McClory has the rights to make James Bond. MGM then replies, any hope that McClory can create a James Bond franchise is delusional. <laughs> we, we, we hope that Sony has not been duped by Mr. McClory. We hope that Sony has not been duped by Mr. McClory's deception. Delusional. Rethinking. Warhead 2000? Get, get out. Really weird. Really weird. It's a strange idea. <laughs> Little boys. Rethinking. <laughs> um, but Imagine we, if it was a huge success and he, James Bond didn't exist anymore and it was McClory's universe that was now the, mm. the big, big cheese. McClory's, McClory's universe never happened because Warhead 2000 was abandoned in 1999 though. So he missed the Tomorrow Never Dies boat. It was coming up to War Is Not Enough times. Um, and Sony settled out of court with MGM and United Artists basically giving up any and all right from then on so to make any anymore. so he can I don't think he's alive anymore but right. if he was he couldn't make yeah. uh, he can't make any more Thunderballs he he's yeah he's added Thunderballs <laughs> now who would have played Bond in Warhead 2000 had it have happened so actors linked to the part um, were included not Sean Connery but Jason Connery who? Um, the son of Sean Connery. Oh, right. <laughs> um, also, when we talked before about Robin of Sherwood, mm-hmm. he was basically like the second Robin who wasn't as good as the first Robin, right. Michael Prem. Um, that's how he's most fondly remembered, as the guy who wasn't as good as the other Robin. It's like a great career. Yeah, he's had a great career. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Doctor Who. Um, Liam Neeson, who we talked about earlier, he was he was rumoured for uh, Warhead 2000. Um, and even McClory's statements, they seem to imply it would have been a new bond. He's saying, you know, it, you know, it's keeping them in the dark. But as you said, one man heavily linked to Warhead 2000 was Timothy Dalton, who nice. would have played an older Bond. Great. As Connery did, never seen ever again. Yeah, no. So he told Dalton would have been 50, mm. and it would have been his Bond up against Brosnan's either sort of Tomorrow Never Dies period or War Is Not Enough period. Now, did we need another Thunderball? No, we didn't. Would I watch a Bond movie with an older yeah, Dalton as like a grizzled yeah. like agent coming out of retirement? I've watched the shit out of it. Well, the thing is, like, they obviously, they're obviously not allowed the rights to Bond if you're not doing a Bond film. You can't just do an old Bond film. As no, in, yeah. Uh, if, you're not doing, if you're not doing a Bond film, you can't make a Bond film. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wish someone would make a film. Because at the moment, we love Bronn mm. And But he keeps doing these shite action films. Yeah. Which is just... Basically, like, subpar Bond films. Yeah. Right? And, like, The November Man. But I'd love it if someone proper mm. took it on. Mm. And didn't call him James Bond, mm. but made it out that he's obviously a, like in the Rock. Like in the Rock, where Sean Connery is basically yeah. James Bond. So I'd love it if Bron- Brosnan or Dalton yeah. played like an older agent, yeah. aging his last thing. Yeah. I don't think I ever mentioned James Bond or any, yeah. any of his things. Just imply he was a secret agent, quite a yeah. you know but notable secret agent. Don't be straight to DVD nonsense. Mm. Do it properly. Then at least, even though it's not canon, you could like as fans in your back of yeah. mind go, yeah, like the Rock is secretly yeah. a Bond film. We all know it is. We all know. It is. 
Now, so we'll talk about Dalton. He, because of course he made the two movies, then the James Bond franchise got caught up in this whole legal wrangle, there weren't any films for years and years and years. But the third uh, unmade Dalton film is quite an interesting story. It was apparently going to be based on Ian Fleming's short story, The Property of a Lady, um, and set in Hong Kong. Uh, basically, James Bond goes to Hong Kong to investigate this uh, suspicious businessman, and he teams up with an older spy who is a mentor uh, to him uh, in the early days, teams up with a jewel smuggler, yes, she's a sexy lady, <laughs> to get to the bottom of this shady business's past and prevent global pandemonium that could spark, spark World War Three. Sounds a little less grounded than License to Kill, I'm going to be honest, I figure they were... This always happens with Bond, though. There was, there was Star of Sickness, yeah. Doctor, Doctor No, you watch it, Nothing that ludicrous in it, really. Like, it all could technically sort of happen. But you get five... Five fi- diamonds are forever. Or even by You Only Live Twice, you've got a hollowed out volcano. Live and Let Die. Not that ludicrous, really. I mean, there is, there is a villain who it's pops like a balloon. But Spy Love Me is Moore's best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but by, by, then you get Moonraker and it's in space. Even now, and same with Bronholm. Starts off with Goldeneye, oh, yeah. ends up with Die another day. invisible cars oh, and, and, and men changing their race with a dream machine. It's up there with one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Not Goldeneye, Goldeneye's one of the best. Uh, Die another day. Die another day. Um, and even Daniel Craig now, Spectre was a little bit, got a little bit silly. It did get a bit silly, like the Home Alone sequence. That mm. was, no, that was, um, that was, that was Skyfall. Spectre had the stupid bit where they, it's Christoph Waltz set that trap. And he'd somehow had all that time to, to put all this stuff together. Yeah, the really elaborate uh, trap yeah. for Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, you had, what, you had a good, the, like, three, three days to do that, did you? All right. And then, and then, he waited for Bond behind like, a glass wall. Yeah. So I like the idea, he just set himself up behind this partition and then just waited. Yeah. How long have you been there, Christoph? Yeah. Got a, it's like got a in, uh, in there? The Dark Knight Rises where mm. Bruce Wayne goes out of the way to put that big bat symbol in in this in the big billboard like really up high yeah with fire and shit it's yeah like, how did you that's quite elaborate how did you have the time and effort <laughs> really like there's no other way you could you just call him up or something so this third Dalton movie <laughs> was apparently <laughs> was apparently going to be directed by um Michael Caton Jones who's just released the film Urban Hymn he right. was he was down to direct it um and that story that I just told you that very very slowly morphed into what eventually would become uh, Goldeneye. But even then, there was sort of like a, like an interim period where this film was about, um, like in Goldeneye, a, another double O agent turns against Bond and it's his, his, his friend and he tricks him. But it was more like Bond's mentor. Right. So this idea of Bond's mentor was doing it. It was an older double O. And this older double O was apparently going to be played by Anthony Hopkins. Ooh. So Anthony, Anthony Hopkins would have been... Well, no, he would have been 006. The, the, Sean, the previous one. Yeah, Sean Bean's, Sean Bean's part. Oh, right, actually. Is, is Sean Bean the only 006 we've ever seen? He's the only 006 we've ever seen. Yeah. You see little other double O agents. Right. Normally they get killed at the start of Roger Moore movies. Yeah. And then he has to go in to replace them. But That's can you imagine yeah. Anthony Hopkins yeah. in, as, as Alec Trevelyan? We'd be like... Finish your job, James. Blow them out of here. Turn your eyes down, Lawson. Turn your back on me, man. Would it be great? I mean, I love Sean Bean, but a little bit of me wants to see Hopkins hamming it up as Trevelyan. All right, so uh, number three on this list of lost Bond movies, Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Now, what apparently... Ian Fleming contacted Alfred Hitchcock in 1959 when he was working on this original Bond film with Kevin McCoy asked him if he wanted to direct that movie. Um, so you could have had a Hitchcock Thunderball, which is also the name of an Epcot cat. 
um, and apparently, apparently the the favourite to play Bond in this movie, Richard Burton. Wow, could have been good. He would have been good. Yeah. yeah. Um, instead of making a Bond film, we don't know if Hitchcock ever even applied to Fleming. It was just he was going, "Oh mate, I want to do a Bond film." Um, and instead of making a Bond film, Hitchcock made some flop called Psycho. It was never heard of again. So, what ba- bad decision, yeah. Alf. What Sucks you th- to be you, Alf. Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, North by Northwest is probably the closest you ever get. Um, you'll ever get to a Hitchcock bomb. Mm. And Cary Grant was actually considered for bomb. Because um, he's actually British, isn't he? British? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's he sounds, he sounds British, but I'm not sure he is. Sounds like he's putting on a silly accent. That was an awful advice. I'm so sorry. Tom's really drunk. We've drunk so a lot. We've drunk a lot. His name isn't his name Archie Lee. Bristol. There we go. Bristol. Bristol. Should be the coolest guy's ever been born in Bristol. Ori, I'm Archie Leach. Yeah. So Cary Grant was considered for Bond, and he was apparently quite a keen reader of Fleming's novels. He would have been great. He, he was offered it for Doctor No, but turned it down because he only wanted to sign for a one-picture deal. Right. And they said, well, we want to make a series. And he was like, oh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not making a series. <laughs> Cut it. Oh, yeah, thank you. So, so then, apparently after Cary Grant, they uh, went to James Mason, who was the villain in North by Northwest. Um, he would only agree to two movies, and again, they were like, no, we want to make a series. Um, but weirdly, I found this out, and I've never heard this before, James Mason was also considered for a Bond in the late 50s. They were going to make a 90-minute TV adaptation of From Russia With Love. Wow. Which sounds amazing. And yeah. Like a 50s TV adaptation starring James Mason as Bond. Apparently it never happened. Could have been great. Next up, Diamonds Are Forever, the good version. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing, because I, um, only a couple of years ago did I finally watch all the Bonds mm. properly, from mm. start to finish, and I stupidly assumed that all the old bonds were classic and brilliant. No, you're wrong. But I was very wrong. You're very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to admit, most of the Bond films, most Bond films in general are a bit, bit ropey. Most Bond films are a bit ropey. They are, though, aren't they? Why are we even doing why are we doing this episode? All the Roger Moore films apart from Never Let Die and Despite Love Me are a bit ropey. That's that's a stronger argument. Sean Connery did maybe half of his films were alright. Doctor Knows Good. Do you know what the best film ever? What, what, just in general? Or are you just going oh, off topic? Lazy. Well, On Our Majesty's Secret yeah. Service is excellent. Better when drunk. We should watch it We should watch it when we're done recording this episode. Because I've watched On Our Majesty's Secret Service many, many times. Yeah. And it's an excellent movie, yeah. no question. I watched it drunk once. And it was... <laughs> incredible. It was the most, like, <laughs> moving experience. Christ. There's like a scene where... There's a scene where um, Diana Riggs has been kidnapped by Telly Savalas. And, uh, and, and, uh, and he's trying to convince... <laughs> Yeah. Bond is trying to convince uh, M right. to like send in the troops to rescue her, and he's like, "So we've got to send in the troops." And he's like, ah, don't send her. And he's like, "I was like, oh my god, this is so intense, amazing, so good." Janet Lovely, she's in that one too. Briefly, yeah. Um, but because you've said this before, how Lazenby's not the best Bond, but no one could have done it as well as him in that film, that particular film. The, the thing I take issue Connery wouldn't have done it as well. Exactly. The thing I take issue with is when people go, On a Majesty's Secret Service is a great movie, but it would have been better with Connery. Mm. I disagree. Because no. Connery is great, but he's invincible. His bond is untouchable. Nothing He wouldn't be able to do the end line of uh, all the time in the or, world. Oh sure, right, really. We're moving on, Sean, but we have all the time in the world. <laughs> wouldn't have worked. And like him go, crying at the end. Yeah, Connery Connery crying would have been weird. Lazy me go. Okay, it's alright, really. Yeah, we have all the time in the world. Yeah. It works because he's because he's a bit shit. So wooden. Because he's a bit shit, it yeah. makes him seem more vulnerable. Yeah. Because he's not super confident and cool. Because he's clearly nervous on screen, and it translates and it works. 
Anyway, yeah. well, no, because basically he he threw the Bond films into a bit of turmoil because even before on the Magic Secret Service came out, he said, "Well, I'm not doing another one." <laughs> so you can <laughs> you, you can piss in the wind. Yeah. He later on has said he apparently his agent told him, "George, don't think this Bond thing's gonna last. Get out while you still can." He was like, "Oh." I wish he did at least two like Dalton, so well, that he wouldn't go down in history as like the one-off Bond. So they assumed that he was gonna do another one, and they had already started adapting Diamonds Are Forever, mm. but as a direct sequel to Honor Majesty's yeah. Secret Service. So you would have had characters like Irma Bunt, who is Blofeld's uh, henchwoman, who actually is the one who killed uh, Tracy, Bond's wife. She would have come back. Tracy's uh, father, who's in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, he would have come back. Um, you would have seen Bond, you know, at her grave, and would have played Louis Armstrong, would have been a whole thing. Mm. Would have been a proper Honor Majesty's Secret Service sequel. But then when Lazenby quit, and the film wasn't as well received as they hoped, they rewrote it, and instead you get this gaudy, awful version of Diamonds Are Forever with fat, lazy Sean Connery. And it's just... <laughs> I, because I watched... You're talking about watching all the Bond films in a row. I literally... I don't know how you did this. Explain. So I... Explain yourself. So when... <laughs> when uh, Sky Movies a couple of years ago did this thing, they briefly set up a James Bond channel. I think it was called Sky Movies 007. And as publicity around that, they invited me to watch all the Bond movies back to back. That's they put me up. Weekend. They put me up. It took me. We started on 8 p.m. on Friday night and finished 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. That's crazy. I didn't sleep. Uh, they set me up. It was great. I was in a hotel room on a lazy boy. They were like, "Help yourself to the mini bar. Order whatever you want from room service, but you have to watch all these Bond movies See, back to back." I would have loved that if I was on my own. Mm. But you had to do it with another journalist who, like, her boyfriend kept coming in. So. She cheated. Yeah. She went and had a, had a kip. Oh, I was yeah. committed. Uh, now so I'd have loved that on my own. It'd be great. Now <laughs> the thing is. Never are you more grateful for a new Bond mm. than when you're watching all of them back to back. Oh my god, when, when Timothy Dalton turned up yeah. after all those 14, Roger Moore 14 hours of Roger Moore, even if you're the biggest Roger Moore fan in the world, nah. that's a lot of Roger. Yeah. That's a lot. Even when Roger turned up, I was like, oh my god, because I'd been watching Sean Connery for like 12 hours straight. It was intense. Um, <laughs> and so. I don't know, I don't know. But it was when I watched all of them back to back that I, I always thought for years that Man with the Golden Gun was the worst James Bond movie. And it is a terrible James Bond movie. The final fight is James Bond fighting a little dwarf fella and trapping him in a little suitcase. And, and it's like, and putting him up in the rigging of a, of a ship. And it's like, what? You wouldn't see The Rock doing that. What is, what is this? Yeah. What is this film? And uh, Christopher Lee is, is fantastic. Yeah. You know? Come, come, Mr. Bond. Take just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Hey, there, I did it. And, and I've had a drink. Yeah. Um, but he's great in it. Everything else about that movie is terrible. However, Upon rewatching Diamonds Are Forever, I realised there is nothing, there's no redeeming features in Diamonds Are Forever. It's just a toss from start to finish. Well, this is what I feel about um, Temple of Doom, but. Uh, You're wrong about Temple I of Doom. Am wrong. You're wrong. Maybe one day we'll do an Indiana Jones We'll do an Indiana Jones episode and we'll get into Tom's controversial views on Temple of Doom. He thinks it's. Some people think it's the worst um, yeah, Indiana Jones movie, and that's, that's an opinion I'd. <coughs> I tolerate. Yeah. Tom thinks it's one of the worst movies ever yeah. made. Yeah. You've not watched enough bad movies. No, you need to watch. Right. You need to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. No, it's, it's no, it's not. It's one of the worst movies in terms of ones which is considered good. <laughs> right. It's overrated. Worst. All right. One of the most overrated yes. movies ever made. Yeah. Right. Indiana Jones episode yeah. coming up, so I can take him to task. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing is though about Diamonds Are Forever, people have a go at George Lazenby all the time. They say shit in On a Magic Secret Service. I don't think that's true. They say. You know, he shouldn't have quit after one. 
I, you know, maybe. The thing I'm most angry at George Lazenby for, the Aussie twat, is that he is that he's responsible for the shit version of Diamonds Are Forever. We yeah. Got. If he hadn't quit, we might have got a really, really good version of Diamonds Are Forever. Wasn't he really sort of anti-Bond for years, and only recently has he sort of come back? Well, I've got here quite an interesting interview, which is from just after he uh, quit Bonds from sort of the early seventies, where he talks about. What some of his ideas for what Bond would have become if he had continued to play the part. And it's interesting, some of it is utter nonsense. <laughs> You're like, well, I think we should have some pop music in the background. Some of it, <laughs> some of it nice. is quite close to the way Craig took the part, so yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. But you felt that this Bond should have been a gentler Bond. Yeah, I think he should have been more, um, more humane, more, more um, understanding towards people in general. And uh, he's not such a superman, even though he's been taught karate and judo and he's an expert with a gun and, uh, and he's a physical beast, you know, if anyone wants to tangle with him. Well, how about the director? Did he agree with your idea of Bond? Well, no, they, they had a set formula, which was a winner uh, previous, and you can't blame them for not agreeing with me, because I was a learner. I, I felt quite confident that if they did change it, you know, like putting pop music behind it and... Uh, rather than uh, the sort of light music they have. And uh, things like that it would have lifted the whole thing up again into a, an, another uh, decade, 1970. Did, did they hold Sean Connery above your head all the time? Uh, a lot of the time. It was mentioned when um, he said, remember, you know, it's different scenes. He said, well, when you're there in front of this window, remember how in such and such a scene where Sean flicked his eyes up like that and he did this and that, which is all dramatic stuff, which Sean does as an actor, which he knows what he's doing when he does it, and it works for him. But it doesn't necessarily say it'll work for me. Well, do you feel that you got a bit of a raw deal in the sense that you weren't allowed to express yourself properly? In that sense, yes. But then, on the other hand, I can't complain for because I, um, it didn't come off so bad after all. I mean, what they were telling me to do worked. And yet, on the other hand, <clears throat> what I said uh, I would I would like to do might have worked better. And you'll never know that. Some of his ideas, as I say, yeah. nonsense. But he's talking about making Bond more human, yeah. a bit more vulnerable. A lot of the stuff that, contemporary, a lot of stuff they did with Daniel Craig. You couldn't see that clip there, but uh, he looked like he belonged in Crosby, Stills and Nash. <laughs> he was rocking. He looked great. It. He was rocking. He, he did not look like he was... He looked a bit player. like George Harrison yeah. in, in the yeah, 70s. Exactly. He was rocking long hair and a beard. Very, very un-Bond. Um, all right, so the next up on this list... What do you know about Once Upon a Spy? Nothing. All right, good. <laughs> In a word. Good. So, before Skyfall happened, uh, this guy, Peter Morgan, he's Oscar-nominated writer, he wrote Frost Nixon. Um, he was hired to work on the script for the next Bond movie um, with the regular writers who were Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. This was the film that eventually would become uh, Skyfall, but his uh, original idea was called Once Upon a Spy, and it's, 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 it's very different. Let's put it that way. So this is what happens. Uh, it begins during Cold War with uh, M, Judy Dench, like an, a younger version of her. She's an MI6 agent stationed in uh, Berlin. And then 30 years later, her affair at the time with a KGB agent uh, comes back to haunt her. Uh, the, the, her. Her lover dies and his son, who's basically a villain, uh, blackmails M, leaving her career in, uh, in jeopardy. So she sets Bond off on a mission to you know, deal with this guy. And 
details on, on the film are fairly <laughs> flimsy, <laughs> but it just says she dispatches Bond uh, to deal with the, the situation, but a dramatic turn of events forces 007 to kill M at the what? film's climax. What? So no, Daniel Craig would have had to kill Judy Dench. Well, they did kill Judy Dench. Yeah, but she can't have someone like you can't, can't have James Craig murder Judy Dench. Exactly. So um, uh, Robert Wade, who was the writer who then rewrote it into Skyfall, said we always found that really, really difficult to make credible or satisfying. It was very dark, and frankly, I don't think it really worked. <laughs> the only thing that remained in the final film was M's past coming back to haunt her, and that she dies at the end. So they kept the very, very bare bones of that, and the villain kind of became uh, Silver, who was uh, the villain in Skyfall. But mostly, they made this decision to get rid of the Bond film, in which James Bond kills M. Bizarre. Kills M. Right, so finally, we've got... Now, this isn't really a James Bond film, but it's a Bond spin-off that was planned. Did you know they were at one point, because the film in itself was such a success, they were planning a Die Another Day spin-off starring Halle Berry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so right, so okay. So I can imagine anything worse. We hear we hear a lot of talk. Maybe a Christmas spin-off or something. <laughs> Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Well, funny you should say So we start off. Um, we hear a lot these days about um, you know, should there be a female bond? Right. And you know, some people, I don't think there should be a female bond. I just think that's not that's not the character. Yeah. I'm not opposed to a a, a great female spy movie, yeah. but even then, when people suggest names for a Bond-like female spy, they're like, "How about Emily Blunt?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah. that'd be great." Then they're like, "What about Olivia Coleman?" And it's like, "Don't be stupid." Don't be stupid. She Don't be, be stupid. She could be like Q or M or anything like that. She it's said. Brilliant. She said she'd like to play M yeah. to Hiddleston's Bond. Brilliant. That I would watch. Brilliant. Don't be stupid, yeah. Buzzfeed. Yeah. So it makes sense. They were looking for a female-driven James Bond spin-off. Okay. Now, originally, this idea came out of, and this kind of makes sense, Tomorrow Never Dies, Michelle Yeoh, a big star, good in the movie, they were thinking they were going to do a Wei Lin spin-off from Tomorrow Never Dies, sort of like a Hong Kong-influenced John Woo style. Yeah. Well, I'd watch that. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, then that didn't pan out for whatever reason. They then apparently were thinking about bringing her back in uh, a future Bond movie, but again, the schedules didn't work out. So then talk turned to spinning off because it, remember when she was filming with another day, Halle Berry won an Oscar for Monsters Ball, hmm. suddenly became a big deal. Yeah. They were like, hey, we should get her <laughs> fronting a, a Jinx uh, spin-off <sighs> series. Uh, there were there were plans to release it in 2004. Um, again, Purvis and Wade, the writers I was talking about, they were hired to write it. Stephen Frears, who has directed one of my favourite films, High Fidelity, yeah. one of my favourite films of all time, directed Dangerous Liaisons, uh, he'd later go on to direct The Queen. This is like a, like a serious dude. He was apparently like gonna direct this Jinx movie, um, but then in October of I think it was 2005, uh, MGM just pulled the plug. Uh, apparently due to creative differences, nice. or 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 as I think, the president of MGM just sobered up um, and got around to watching Die of the Day um, and decided, oh, that's a fucking terrible idea. Do you know what else she did in 2004? Go on. Catwoman. So maybe the so she one... killed her career either way. But the thing is, that I, uh, the upside of, of a Jinx movie happening would have been no Catwoman. So mm. yeah, it's a tough. That's a, that's a that's a toss up. So but think about it. If there had been a Jinx movie mm. and then a Jinx series of movies, but they still would have rebooted the Bond movies. So you would have had the Halle Berry Jinx series in the old continuity, and then the Daniel Craig movies in the new continuity. It would Something have been... tells me that if they did release a Jinx movie, uh, the sequel would just have happened. I don't think there would be a franchise. 
You never know. We could have had two 007 universes coexisting. Mm. Could have had. Well, Brosnan, of course, he wanted. He Do a Felix Leiter spin off. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey Wright, the current yeah. Felix Leiter. Yeah. Well, sort of. He's not been in it for like two films. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I love Felix Leiter. Bring back Felix yeah. Leiter. But so Brosnan, he wanted one final Bond film. I guess he wasn't happy with Dying of the Day as a sign-off. Mm. Can't blame him. As it was, as we discussed in a previous episode, I believe, Everything or Nothing, the pretty good video game, was actually his, was his final Bond performance. Yeah. But he did, he wanted another cinematic Bond outing. Do you know what he wanted to do? Mm. Uh, an adaptation of Casino Royale that would bring the character back to his gritty roots. Uh, <laughs> um, and then what? It's got to sting. It's got to sting. Um, and then they what? basically went on and did that without him. Um, Tarantino was apparently interested in directing. So you could have had a version of Casino Royale with Bronholm, with Bronholm oh. directed by Tarantino. This is what I mean. I wish there was some sort of weird loophole where they could <laughs> sort of make these films, oh. get the rights to make them, but yeah. say, by the way, this has been released, but it's nothing to do with... Don't vision, worry about but, it. But it is a film. Just enjoy it. Can someone just make a Tarantino Brosnan Bond film yeah. for us? Yeah. They don't have to release it in cinemas. So we can just, like, just watch it in our, in our great, living room. They did like uh, a Batman film which mm. is totally separate to the fucking franchise that's going on now but it's mm. just what we want to see yeah. you know what I mean just... <laughs> why can't they just make what we want to see but <laughs> well, I've got I do find sometimes when studios get the rights mm. they are very like pernickety with it and they mm. can't like experiment it's like Superman Lives whatever it's called with Nicolas Cage yeah are you saying you want to live in a world you want to live in a world where well, Superman Lives happened well apparently that was going to be a completely different take on Superman yeah. but they'll never try and uh, risk that I, I sort of see I, I don't think Superman lived no, would have been any good but, but do a risky sh- Superman film yeah and that'll never happen do you know what I mean because they're too yeah because yeah, Henry Cavill's brilliant isn't he yeah. Mr. Personality Vacuum I'm looking forward to Tyler I don't can't even say his name Tyler Ho- Oaklin Oaklin Tyler Ho- Oaklin the little girl. kid from Rose Perdition one of my all time favourite films <laughs> is now the Superman. most coolest loveliest sexiest man alive <laughs> Who would have thought that would happen? And he's playing Superman in season yeah. two of Supergirl. Brilliant. Can't wait for it. Very already exciting. Do, I've not even seen him do anything. Already better than him. <laughs> already better. Yeah. No, you see some um, some snaps of him on set yeah. and he's like grinning and having already a great better. time. Already better. The fact that he's smiling, yeah. better than Henry Cavill. Better than Henry Cavill. Yeah. But, so I've got a clip here. This is Bro- Bronholm talking to Larry King about Daniel Craig and sort of everything that's happened to the Bond franchise uh, since he left it. Lovely guy. What do you think of Daniel Craig? <clears throat> Brilliant. Quite brilliant. Um, it gives it a different touch. It's a different time. I mean, it's a different era. I think they had to, they 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 wanted to and had to make a change. I think with the advent of uh, Paul Greengrass and the Born Identities, once I saw that on the horizon, I thought, hmm, stakes have gone up here. Yeah. So, so you they, saw Skyfall. I saw Skyfall. I had to see Skyfall. I was in London last year and I was making this uh, movie and uh, every time I'd walk out of my hotel, a bus would go by, Daniel would be there every which way I looked. Skyfall was there and I thought, well, I better better see it. I tried to watch the first one that Daniel did on a plane and it broke down three times. <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe 37 So how do you don't view it as I view it? It must be interesting. You've played it, you, you admired Sean Connery, you've done it yeah. yourself and now you're watching this gentleman played. So how do you, do you view it as an actor? Do you say, this is what I would have done? No, no, no. I just come to it as a member of the audience. And you do? Yeah, I do. There's, I, otherwise, it'll, it'll turn you inside out trying to uh, play that game with yourself. I just sat back and reveled in what Daniel did. Now, I love the idea. He talks about there about trying to watch uh, uh, Casino Royale on a plane. Mm. I love the idea of you be on a plane, walking past, you go, oh my God, it's Pierce Brosnan on my flight. Oh and my then, God, he's watching Casino Royale. And then you look. 
What's he doing? He's stewing. He's watching Casino Royale and he's feeling. Oh, I can't believe it. Daniel got to do what I wanted to do. As I know you'd be like, oh, 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 Mr. Brosnan. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, and it's like, then you see what he's watching. You're like, oh. Okay. And he's like, oh no, I, I, I didn't know what was on. He's like, oh, it's, okay. it's okay, Chris. I'll just leave you to I'm this. desperate for Pierce Brosnan to have him come back. I'm desperate. Yeah. What was it I said that time? He still looks good. It was a. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there was an ad for it. That was it, that was it. There was an ad for yeah. men's aftershave. <laughs> and it was. And the, the sort of sponsor, the guy they got as the face of his aftershave, was Jerry Butler. <laughs> Ger- Gerard, Gerard Butler. Uh. And, he was, and he was saying. Nothing against Jared Butler in particular, uh, but he was, he was like, yeah, you want to smell like me, Jerry Butler. And you, and Tom <laughs> exclaimed, what did you say, Tom? Uh, I don't want to smell like Jared Butler. I want to smell like Pierce Brosnan in his prime. I want to smell like Pierce Brosnan in his prime. Think about it, though. You've just got, you've just got the, it does look like he smells nice. He does. He looks, he looks. With Bond. Yeah, he looks well quaffed. Yeah. I'd like to smell Pierce Brosnan and smell like Pierce Brosnan. Well, of course, there were many Bonds, but I certainly think that I was the most suave of all of them. Now, finally, um, just briefly, we're going to address uh, another sort of nerdy angle mm-hmm. on James Bond. Um, and that is, is James Bond a codename? Because there's been a lot of theorising yeah. as to whether James Bond is a codename uh, for a number of different agents and all the different Bonds that are different agents. And so we're going to resolve that issue once and for all now, oh. here on Two Geeks. Oh. Is James Bond the code name? No. no. No, it isn't. No. And why? Because that's a fucking dumb idea. <laughs> right, so to... join us next time on Two Geeks. <laughs> I have to admit though, like, Bond has... There's no other franchise where there's no, like, proper continuity. Like, mm. it, it doesn't know what it's doing. What it the... has no idea what the fuck it's doing. <laughs> it's just muddling its way you could, through. You could just, just say, success. Well, yeah, we could just say in Casino Royale, it's like, okay, we're starting over again, it's starting yeah. over. But Judy Dench is coming back as, uh, as M. And it's like... They, yeah, I love Judy Dench, but that kind of, it was kind of made it like a half reboot. Yeah, it was odd. exactly. I think, I think the reboot, although it was a huge success for the Daniel Craig movies, I feel like they've kind of shot it's, themselves in the foot a little bit. What are they going to do? Because, because previously, you could kind of just roll them on, keep making yeah. James Bond films, and if you want to think it's all one character, mm-hmm. fine. If you want to think it's each Bond is a reboot, fine. If you want to think it's different men with the same code name, fine. But in this now, age of realism, it's, it's going to be weird whoever takes it on. But also like, now, are they going to reboot the whole thing again? Yeah. Because yeah. Daniel Craig, it sounds like he's not going to do another one. No. So does that mean now they're going to reboot it? and start from scratch again do you yeah, new that? Man, new, it's going to be like Spider-Man where there's a new Spider-Man origin every five years and also Daniel Craig might not want to stick around but I like Ray Fiennes as M yeah. I like Wishaw as Q yeah. I like um, uh, Naomi yeah. Harris as Moneypenny yeah. they've just established that great crew it would be a pity to lose them yeah. just because Daniel Craig would rather slit his wrists yeah. I, like, so I, what are going to do well, I would rather they just and again Spectre kind of ended with a good ending for Daniel Craig mm. his bond he kind of got a happy ending I would rather they just Kept the, the the crew, the new crew they've what got. You just slot in Tom Hiddleston or James Norton or Aiden Turner or whoever it is, and just sort of pretend it didn't happen. All oh, right, yeah. I would just like they used to in the old days. Just yeah, go, yeah. new Bond. Don't worry yeah. about it. No one, no one watches. No one sits down and watches James Bond film and goes, oh, that's internal consistency isn't very high. We watch it for but you know Bond being Bond. For that reason, would you cast someone who's the same type and age or not bother caring about that? No, go a bit, go a bit younger. Yeah. You'd have to go a bit younger because Daniel Craig, when he started, was I think 39 or 40. He's now, you know, as old as a Bond, I think, should be on screen. Yeah. You need to go back. James Bond 48. should be 48. James Bond should be uh, 
and that's the big obstacle facing Idris Elba, for example. People talk mm. about him a lot, he's too old. Mm. And lots of people who would be great. Rufus Sewell, who we talk about, we love yeah. Rufus Sewell, he's too old. Um, it needs to be someone who's around kind of like 35, late 30s max. It needs to be an Aidan Turner or a James Norton or a, or a Tom Hiddleston. Can we just say that we came up with James Norton as Bond? We can't prove it annoyingly, but we fucking did. Years before. I don't know about years, but certainly At least months, a year certain, certainly months we've talked about James Norton playing James Bond. A long, and then I think I think I don't think we mentioned it in a podcast, but maybe we're being bugged because it then suddenly he started like cropping up in all the yeah. bookies odds. Yeah. yeah, we're more influential than you think. Can't believe it, but right. Well, that is it uh, for another episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers, and a Laptop. Uh, I am. I'm very drunk. I'm sozzle. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't even started on my Heineken yet. Uh... <laughs> that was a stupid idea. Cheers. No, was a terrible idea. Cheers. Well, as ever, thank you uh, for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, please go back and listen to all our previous episodes as well, which are all on iTunes, or you can listen to them on our website, which is twogeekstwobeers.com. Or you can email us, which is podcast at twogeekstwobeers.com. Yes, please email us um, suggestions for future episodes. That would be great. Yeah. Or just for themes, or just telling us how great we are. Yeah. That's also, you know, happily... Receive. Well, if you know any beers that we could maybe look at and go, well, that'd be good for a future. If you suggest a theme, yeah. please suggest an equivalent beer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Also, uh, please follow us on uh, Twitter, which is at Two Geeks Cast, and uh, follow us, like us, all of that jazz on yeah. Facebook, which is just search for Two Geeks, Two Beers, and a laptop. And coming up next time is episode 24. Episode 24. So there's only one what thing we, we could have done. What are we going to do for episode 24? 24. Yeah, episode 24. What are we going to do? 24. Yeah, that's what I said. Episode 24. 24. <laughs> Who's on first? We are going to be doing the TV show 24. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer. The modern... For a while, it was the modern equivalent of James Bond until James Bond came back. It's it's the longest running yeah. espionage series uh, ever. Yeah. So there you go. We will be digging into the Jack Bauer power hour, <laughs> which with my accent is not easy to say. So look forward to more of that yeah. uh, next time. Uh, playing us out for this episode, uh, we've got an amazing little medley by Rummy and Cormers, okay. um, which was uploaded to YouTube a few years ago. It's called His Name is James Bond, and it just sums up everything I love about the character. So again, thanks for listening, and see you next time. No scouting for girls. <laughs> I'm not going to play I Wish I Was James Bond by scouting for girls. And Timmy. <laughs> My name is James Bond and I love to get plastered I bang heaps of bitches cause I'm a smooth bastard I tell them I love them then I fuck off back to London on my jetpack That's how I roll I need heaps of gadgets cause I carry a shit gun After killing my enemies I like to make shit puns like the time I asked this guy Who was crushed by a milk truck Got milk as he died Dr. Quinn, I've been
into outer space If you try to fuck with me, I'll mess up your stupid face With judo, judo, with motherfucking judo I seem to get younger as I get older I'm always being handed lots of important folders This martini-ish house, it should be a lot colder Hey bartender, you're a cunt Before I go, I'll let you know the number I fucked like a pro